Well, Sam, you were born a sinner. Aye. How might then... We pray he hath entered God's kingdom. What wickedness hath he done? Place faith in God, Caleb. We'll speak no more on that, brother. Why? He hath disappeared, not one week past. Yet you and mother utter not his name. He is gone, Caleb. Tell me. Tell thee what? Is he an L? Caleb. Mother will not stop her prayer. And if I died, if I died this day... What is this? I ought even in my heart. My sins are not pardoned. Thou art younger yet. And if God will not hear my prayer... Caleb! Tell me! Michael Govier. That's Travis Roy, and he's Eric Branstrom, and the three of us make up the Cinema Nine podcast. We talk film, movies, uh, cinema, all three of those things are usually covered on this show. I'm back. I was gone this week. Uh, I want to thank AJ DeCosimo for stepping in and being a great guest. I mean, he was supposed to be here anyways, but I wasn't here to be a part of the festivities, but I watched the show when I could, and I gotta say, uh, you know, there were some fears that it might be a weird show, and we didn't really know what to expect, but I thought it went swimmingly, Travis. I really did. I was really pleased. Yeah, I was really happy with that. AJ DeCosmo, it was a delight to have on. He was very fun and funny and easy to talk to, and it turned out that The Other Sister was uh, an interesting movie to talk about. I do <laughs> wish that you had been able to join us. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't begrudge you, my friend. Uh, I'm glad to have you back, but uh, as always, your pointed criticisms were missed thank you well uh you know society's got issues we're trying to do the best we can every single day and uh that's what's going on here Uh, eric branch of griffith indiana anything to report it's like 100 degrees uh (laughs) it's so hot it's way too hot i know travis is pissed oh i hate it fucking hate it i turned on the air conditioning yesterday i'm not gonna lie i turned it on today i fucking (laughs) succumbed (laughs) i wasn't thrilled dude i've got 14 instruction days left, and then it's summer break, so I'm Woo. swimming a bit myself here in anticipation. All right. I actually went back to work this week, so. You're not going to have that break. Reversal. Yeah, reversal. But he had a break, so that was great. It must have been. True. What do you miss most about your break now? What is it? Me? Yeah. Um. Ooh, I don't know, man. I was actually, I, I, I was ready to go back to work. I, I, I don't have any money, so I didn't <laughs> do anything. I just fucking sat on my couch. And then uh, 
I got oral surgery right at the very end of my break. So like the last several days of my break, I couldn't leave my couch pretty much. So uh, I'm like, I'm all TV'd out, honestly. Rare as that happens for me to say. I think I kind of had my fill the last few weeks. What if a new Nicolas Cage movie came out tomorrow? I'd, I'd fucking you... watch it. That's okay. what I would do. Yeah, that's a pretty obvious call. Come but, on. You know, even if you have to work now, it's okay. You can catch our show anytime on the YouTube channel. It's always there. If you don't catch the live, that's totally fine. It's there in perpetuity. Plus, all podcast platforms, you can find our shows in audio form as well. If you don't like looking at us, you prefer audio. If that's your... <laughs> Go to move, then you know. Go to town on Spotify, five star rating, Apple Podcast, five stars. Also, I found out on Audible. If you actually, if anyone listens to us on Audible, uh, Amazon's audio world, you can rate us there. They have a rating system, so I did that. I tried it. I don't ever really use Audible, but if you do, then you can rate us. Isn't that neat? It's super neat. It is. Look how excited everybody is. <laughs> okay, so in honor of, we're going to talk about the witch. Does it hold up or not? That'll be the main event of today's show, Travis's Selection, 2015 film. Uh, although, I also saw a 2016 on it. I, that's why I became confused. I'm like, I don't care. I'm just going with 2015. So, so. It, it was released. It's one of those classic kind of situations where it got released in some um, festivals and that kind of thing and, and picked up speed there, but didn't get a broader theatrical release until... Uh, the following year so technically uh, it was first released in 2015 but no one really saw it until 2016 well that makes more sense okay well in honor of that we've decided to do something we haven't done in a while we used to do it in the early days of the show and travis said why don't we do a top three period pieces what are our top three favorite period era films now there was some debate pre-show about what exactly a period piece means and i frankly i'm still slightly confused but hopefully this goes okay what if we, and now we have like to ask ourselves, does this period piece hold up? What a conundrum! I mean, ah! we, <laughs> we don't. We still don't know what it means. Yeah, we still don't know what it means on our own show for a movie to hold up or not. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that is true. There's a lot of truth to that. Uh, well, Travis, why don't you start us off? Let's go down from three to one. Maybe some honorable mentions of top three period piece films. All right, you know, one, a couple honorable mentions out the out the out the gate real quick. One of which we've already spent a good deal of time discussing, Ravenous. I, I, I love Ravenous as a period piece. I feel like it's um, so specific to being like the you know, the West Coast in, in the, what is it, the early, the mid-19th century, um, late 19th century. It's, it's kind of uh, unique in that respect. So I really like that. 12 Years a Slave also, I didn't make it, it didn't make it to my top three list. It, it did, and I kind of bumped it down because it's just, in all honesty, it's hard to watch. It's I can't say it's one of my favorite uh, period pieces because as as beautifully shot as it, and and acted as it is, and it's utterly immersive, which to me defines a period piece. Uh, it's it's you know it's also a, it's, it's a toll to watch. And I've seen it quite a few times at this yeah. point, um, but I'm going to say my number three. I'm going to give it up to. This is oh okay. I'm going to give it up. To a movie because since I've only seen it one time so far, I gotta say, a Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which came out I believe in 2019. If you guys haven't seen that yet, which I'm not sure either one of you have, have you guys seen this movie? I've been, I haven't seen it. I've been preaching about this movie for uh, since it came out. It's just one of those movies that left an indelible kind of imprint on me. I mean, it felt like 
like high art. I, I just love this movie so much. If you haven't seen it, uh, it's it's a period piece. I believe it's 17th or 18th century. I think it's 18th century France mm-hmm. and um, repressed love, that kind of stuff. Really, really just beautifully, beautifully shot and acted. And I'd strongly recommend it. Oh, it doesn't love unrequited love. Isn't that the best? Oh, man. I didn't say unrequited. More just like well, frustrated. Yeah, that's what made me think, though. I think about the good old days when you try to pine for somebody and you like beg them to love you. Boy, it's such a stupid, stupid way to live. And I really regret being a child at times. But hey, it's also part of maturity. You learn a few lessons along the way and you're like, hey, uh, by the way, lose. Is this Leo's reviews? Lose reviews. With two L's? Huh. Why not? I love it. Oh, that's cool. I mean, I don't have an opposition to it. Don't you judge? I saw, <laughs> I saw The Northman and Lighthouse. The witch still crawls under my skin. Okay. Wow. There you go. Eric, what's your number three period pieces? I struggled with this myself, man, because I'm thinking, like, I've always thought, like, costume drama, like any Jane Austen movie, that's, like, the go-to, like, period piece. I'm like, is yeah. this what we're talking about here? <laughs> I haven't seen any Jane Austen adaptation. Um well, yeah, one. if we're talking based uh, specifically, you and I interacted uh, via text that the, the, the time and maybe like the the overall, you know, setting really has to be significant in the story element here, Travis. Uh, That's how I so define it. I feel I feel like, you know, if 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 you're not feeling like you're sort of in that time and place. Mm-hmm. And that's not crucial to the telling of the story. I don't know that it's necessarily a period piece, in my estimation. I think that's a great way to put it. Uh, so, yeah, right off the bat, a couple of uh, honorable mentions I have to give to um, uh, Barry Lyndon. And mm-hmm. I'd say um, I actually really like Howard's End, the uh, uh, Jane Campion film, or Merchant Ivory film. I think I think James Ivory did that. Yeah, I actually watch that every time it pops on. I just... I love like the nobility of the language and like the um, the reserved performances and that quite a bit. Um, for my number three, though, I am going to kind of go with the uh, what is kind of increasingly being is being seen as kind of a guilty pleasure because not sure this movie holds up, but I've seen it so many times and it definitely is so specific to a certain time period. Gladiator 2000 really Scott, man. OK, yeah. Oh, that's weird. I, I watched something about Gladiator last night. I was like, oh, remember that movie? It was yeah. a monster. I think it was a monster. Yeah, huge, huge. Remember? Remember? Remember uh, Gladiator? I do. I do very much. It was. We watched that a lot. And uh, we were 20 yeah. years old around that yeah, time. And a lot. It, it was, Joe that Petliano, DVD got a lot of play. Joe, Joe Petliano? Petliano? very excited about it, yelling about <laughs> Did he get excited about it? Or is that exactly. Ralphie? Ralphie Soprano. Oh, that's oh. right. Yes, oh, yeah, right. Thank right. you. Okay. Yeah, remember he like yeah, takes right. the fucking he swings a thing and like you know takes out what's his nuts eye. <laughs> I remember now. You're right. For a minute there, I had lost my way, but thank you for reminding me. I'll that's always beautiful. bring it back to Soprano. Uh, Lou also mentions how about Braveheart? That's okay. that's an option. It crossed my radar when I was you know. It, it, I, I There's no way it. you would put it in your top three though because it's so no. historically inaccurate, right? I feel like Correct. that would bother you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he also mentions what about Mad Max Fury Road? Does that count as like post-apocalyptic? Uh, movies? No. no, good movie yeah. though. Yeah, great movie, but no, I don't think it qualifies for our period piece layout here. That's okay, Lou. We appreciate the keep support him, and the interaction, Lou. It's good to coming. know you, Lou. Keep them coming. All right. My number three is, well, I thought someone else might say this one, so it might be on your list, but I, I, Django Unchained. I mean, okay, okay, 
that has to be on a list in my opinion. It's definitely a period piece. It's a bit of a you know, you know spaghetti western Tarantino shit too. He mixes <laughs> well, so many genres together all in one, but it absolutely is sure. a movie of its time about a man stuck in slavery, freed from slavery, who gets his sweet, sweet revenge. And uh, mm. you got to love it. You got to love it. Plus that blue suit he with those little white fluffy things. Oh, yeah. well, I really like yeah. that outfit. That, what is that, velvet? I mean, it's nice. So. Austin Powers, who yeah. wore it better. <laughs> <laughs> What's you your know, number two, Trav? Uh, my number two, I didn't put any, um, any, didn't put any Westerns on mine, at least not in my consideration for number two i had to go with while this movie is maybe not as expertly crafted as some of the other ones that i've discussed it does hold a very close close uh place in my heart the road to wellville i i love the road to wellville it does have a lot of of real human characters in it who do are doing things that you know they probably did not do in real life but it's entertaining <laughs> as hell and uh every, every time i watch the movie i feel like i'm i'm taken to this time and place even though i'm you know of course reminded that's hey, that's very much you know cusack that's very much broderick but still it's uh it's it's just always kind of sinks his teeth into me that's a good call to see this movie man who is this filmmaker isn't this like a um not Pacula. Who was it? Uh, yeah, I always forget his name. Alan no, Parker, yeah, uh, I think his Alan, name is. Alan Parker. And I think then it was Alan Parker. I think it was Alan Parker, and I want to say Pacula. I'm going to look it up. You go ahead and do your number two. <laughs> uh, I did, after some very, very careful consideration when I was supposed to be working, um, ultimately decide that Western, sure, uh, uh, should be considered a period piece. And I'm going with the best Western of all time, Unforgiven, on this one, uh, hands down. So kind of a toss-up, Once Upon a Time in the West and Unforgiven for me. But I, I love Unforgiven so much. And, uh, yeah, uh, unreal. What else can be said? What about Metallica's Unforgiven? Hey, dummy, Unforgiven. Sure. Keep going. Keep going. Let's get sued. <laughs> YouTube, uh, man. I, yeah, I got a, I got a warning the other day because I, this guy was throwing a no hitter in baseball and it was the ninth inning and I tried to do like a commentary of it, but I wasn't showing. You know, it's like you watch these movies on YouTube where they're faster or the, the screen has changed a bit. Like they've adjusted it so they don't get in trouble for oh, a copyright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can technically watch it, but you're gonna hear it like three times the speed. <laughs> I don't know. I was just trying to commentate on. Wow, this ninth inning is gonna be a no hitter here, and they gave me a warning. I got in big trouble. So I'm so it's confused about that. Aren't you supposed to like? Why would you be happy that he doesn't hit the ball? Like what is? Well, he's no the pitcher hit? because his job is to make sure they don't hit the ball. Oh, so uh, so oh, for him, that's a big I, win. I, as the I don't pitcher. know about that, I don't but I do words. know. That Alan Parker directed the Road to Wellville. Okay, thank <laughs> you. Okay, we finally hitter is, but Alan Parker, <laughs> rest in peace. We finally cleared it up. Thank God. Uh, Lou says, "Gladiator, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife." I was going to say Gladiator next, so they, right. that's clearly a popular choice here. Yeah. Uh, my number two uh, is Legends of the Fall. Wow. I love Legends okay. of the Fall. It's such a beautifully <laughs> shot film and gorgeous back, scenery. Yeah. It's so funny, too. Yeah, it's definitely gotten a little more funny over the years. There's no doubt about it. But there was a time in my life where I took that movie deathly serious. And uh, I didn't laugh at all. You didn't laugh at stroke victims? 
That's absolutely true. Yeah, especially <laughs> when I was younger. I guess I you would think I would laugh even more then, but we just had that on VHS. We watched it all the time. So Legends of the Fall. It's a yeah, it's a period piece about World War One drama that kind of leads into prohibition and all that stuff. And it's got old timey cars, and it's uh, well done. I enjoy it very much. All right, for for my number one, it's my favorite movie, so I have to choose it, even though it's. Some people call it a Western. I personally don't feel like it's a Western, but it's definitely a period piece. There will be blood. I mean, what can I say that I haven't already said on the show many times also, so I'm not going to uh, overindulge in that. But in my opinion, a perfect movie. That's all I can say about that. Figure somebody had hit that. That's a good call. And I figured you would. So. Fucking A. Yeah. What about you, Eric? Is that you got the same one or something different? Well, There Will Be Blood is my second all-time favorite movie behind Batman 1989. But for some reason, I just didn't think about it when it came to, like, period pieces. But I can applaud that choice. Um, this is kind of a tie between a couple. Uh, for me, say what you will, and we've talked about it a million times, man. We know the historical inaccuracies, but I love Milos Forman's Amadeus to this day. Uh, I just think it's a <laughs> such a gorgeous movie. Uh, I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, but my number really? one, Mike, Mike, you're going to be kicking yourself on this one. For me, my number one period piece is La Bamba. I mean, th- that era is solidified by the great Taylor Hackford in terms of the Latin culture of the time, the rock and roll era, just the late 50s rock sound in, in California is just doesn't get any better, in my opinion. Love Richie! So I forgot that was Hackford. I need to revisit. You know... I don't consider that a period piece. I know it does. I'm not saying it doesn't qualify. It just didn't come across my mind. And that's why I, this is a strange topic. I yeah. think of it more as a biopic, and I don't know that. I mean, a biopic technically is a period piece, probably. But no, it is. I'm lines not, are blurry. You're, it is. Yeah. It's yeah. I just didn't yeah. think about it in that way at all, Eric, but that's a great well, choice. you talk course. about putting you in that time. Like, I just mm-hmm. kind of, like, I feel like I'm I'm at the surf ballroom whenever that, that, that comes on. It that is true. Puts you right mm. there. Surf ball. You could rent that place out. We should do like a big party there, maybe like when we're older and maybe have a couple more dollars. It'd be a lot of fun. Like <laughs> We've been saying trip. that since we were like 20. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Someday when we're older and have money. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> oh, wow. Lou says, oh, wow. There will be blood. Nice pick indeed. Lou has big respect for you, Travis. You've earned a new fan. Well, I think you're inferring that. He didn't. I mean, he's, he's, he likes the pick. <laughs> uh, when it comes to period pieces, Lou says, I think of war and I go saving Private Ryan. Okay. See, okay, I think of war movies as war movies. That's why I didn't yeah. choose. But it's right. This is, I mean, yeah. And when I asked this, we, we should have gotten more specific when it comes to period pieces. Like, I don't know. But <laughs> well, I kind of like how it played out. It, it, yeah. This is interesting. We're kind of sharing our own opinions on it. But uh, before I get my number one, I will say I wanted to put Glory, but I consider it more of a war movie. So <laughs> I didn't put Glory in this, but it definitely mm-hmm. would probably be my number one. But instead. And I surprised myself by this, but I've really come to enjoy this film, and I didn't really like it when it first came out. It would be 2002's Road to Perdition. Mm, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, great call. Amazing. Yeah. I, I remember, like, learning when uh, the, the, the shot, when it shows them pulling into Chicago, I remember learning that that's just Chicago. That's what it looks like. Like, I'm just, you know, <laughs> you know, there's a few cars that they put in there, but, like, they really didn't change much. I'm like, my God. Here you go. It's, it's so, wow. It, it, talk, about a, talk about immersive. That movie really, you feel like you're in the 30s. I was just yeah. reading about the movie a couple of days ago, and it was bothering me for a long time until I did the research. Like, he says he drove all night to get to Chicago, right, so he could meet yeah. Frank. Nitt- do you, do you know where his story takes place? 
Um, the, yeah, he, Indiana. He talks, yeah, it takes place like it's it's all taking place within like two or three states, like yeah, Michigan, like, Indiana, and well, Illinois, he, or something. He's like he's like the enforcer for I believe it's called Rock Island in, in like in like North Illinois. Illinois, which used yeah. to be a huge deal in the twenties, but now it's just a, a sleepy town. But yeah, that was always interesting to me, like the, the mob being in this tiny town that no one even knows about now. Not like, not like well, with prohibition, like, you know. If you're driving a Studebaker or whatever around, I mean, I don't know how fast those things went, like 35 miles per hour, I would guess. I don't know. I wouldn't think, I wouldn't think they were going 60. Well, there are four cylinders. I mean, we drive four cylinders to this day. Of course, there's been some modifications, but I yeah. think they, I'd have to double check it. Uh, also, it's not, like, it's not like Eisenhower had built the freeways yet. Not like he went out there single-handedly and did it, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, you know, it took longer to, to get around back then, so maybe. Yeah, that's true. I'd be more worried about the tires on those cars than anything. Oh, boy. Those those things had to pop so easily. So there it is. That's our top three period pieces brought to you by the Cinnamon Eye Podcast. Eric, Travis, and Govier doing our thing. And the Shray Way, Whoa. the Jay Shray Way. Sorry, Jay. The Jay Shray Way. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Jay Shray Way. Jay Shray Way. Jay Shray Way. Jay Shray Way. Ford versus Ferrari, one of the best in recent years. Okay, Jay Shray Way. Cool. Was that, was that a Michael Caine? Were, were you doing Michael Caine there? Jay Shray Way. <laughs> Pull my finger. <laughs> would Troy Shy count back. as a period piece? Of course, Troy would count as a period piece, but it's a piece of shit. <sighs> Troy. At this point, it's subjective as fuck. So sure, dude. Troy. Yeah, I mean, remember that run? Actually, Gladiator. Gladiator's responsible for that. It was so popular. You had Troy, uh, and then the other one the same year. There was the Troy and the something about. There was Alexander by Oliver Stone yeah. that same year. And then there was, was that Rome TV show on, on yeah, big uh, yep. ACL. But did, yeah. remember, remember like a couple of years ago when they tried remaking Ben-Hur and not a single person watched it <laughs> in the entire world? <laughs> That's a fact. That's yeah. basically a fact. Yes, it is. So. That Spartacus show is supposed to be pretty good, though. But I don't know. Sword and Sandal? Come on. Yeah. All it. right, Travis, why don't we switch into quarantine viewing picks? What do you got for us this quarantine week? Quarantine viewing picks. Would you believe that the only movie that I watched <gasps> all week was The Witch? It was. I wouldn't. I wouldn't believe that. Well, it's true because uh, since I was super glued to my couch uh, with in exquisite pain and unable to do much with my mm-hmm. mouth, um, especially talk, I just sat there and I, I binge watched all three seasons of Stranger Things. I figured oh. I, I, I kind of felt like, you know, I'm done with this. Like I wasn't <laughs> it took too long for these to come out. And there's like diminishing mm-hmm. returns. Each each season is a little worse than the one before it. Oh. Uh, but then I heard, you know, mm-hmm. I, I haven't watched any previews because, you know, me and previews. But I, I have heard some things about the upcoming season four and enough of it piqued my interest. And I'm like, you like, you know what? Sure, I'll, I'll go and give it another shot. And uh, it still oh, holds yeah. up pretty good, and I'm actually excited for season four. Cool, man. I like Yay! all three seasons. Yeah. I, yeah. I even if the third, talking. in my opinion, the third season is the least good, but it's still good. Yeah. I mean, uh, 11's 18 now. She's an adult. So. <laughs> Finn Wolfhard, I think, is 20. So, oh, shit. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or 19 or 20. So, I mean, like, they're all getting up there. But at this point, I would certainly hope that they're leaping forward drastically in time in the show. Right. If they're all trying to play, like, freshmen in high school, like, hey, we're just entering high school now. Like, uh, <laughs> gotta skip high school. Gotta skip high school. <laughs> yeah. I heard season four is going to, like, harp on, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, do, like, the slasher. That was one hundred percent what got me that on board. I heard awesome. Slasher and I heard and I heard a Freddy Krueger kind of that thing. And I'm fucking like, awesome. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> you <laughs> got me. <laughs> and also, supposedly they're all kind of stre- like sprawled out and separated, which was the case in season three too. But whatever. 
Oh, you um, mean when Eleven hooked up with those weird punks and everyone was pissed? You, I, I went through and looked at the IMDb uh, scores for all the episodes, and they're all like eight point nine, eight point nine, nine point one, you know, nine point one. And then you get to that episode, it's like six point two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> people 6. were pissed. 1. It's not a great episode. Yeah, so, I only saw I, the first two seasons, so yeah, I didn't didn't follow after that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's worth it. Um, you know, a lot of attention has been given in the past year, and it's it's about to come back for its second season to the HBO Max show Hacks. So I had to check out Hacks. What can I say, man? It was fucking great. Uh, Gene Smart is uh, awesome. It was totally entertaining, raw, funny, believable. I really liked Hacks. I could I could see why it's won all the awards that Ted Lasso didn't, basically. Um, lastly, you know, I, I had dragged my feet on watching the TV show version because I really love the movie of what we do in the shadows. Mm. I had kind of like, ah, I feel, plus I felt like, yeah, you know, I know what to expect. And so I started watching it and I almost turned it off like halfway through the first season, kind of like, this is okay, but it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of redoing the movie in a lot of ways. I'm glad I stuck with it. Uh, I love Matt Berry. Uh, I mean, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place holds a very special place in my life. I think it's one of the greatest comedy uh, shows ever, and he was great on it. And he really, I mean, what we do in the shadows, it's it just, unlike Stranger Things, it actually gets better. Each season is progressively better than the one before it. It's just, uh, it surprisingly has heart you know for like i guess a, a little bit more in the feels than i was expecting and another thing about it that i really liked is that i was kind of like as i was starting i'm like yeah okay vampires and what i end up being really into is the like the lone human character is actually the most interesting character on the show which i found really cool so definitely check that out if you've not watched that it's on hulu i'm all heart motherfucker i'm all heart <laughs> Quan. that's all that's all i watched just kind of sat on my couch and moaned we should do we should do a harmonized we should do a harmonized song of us all moaning the three of us imagine yourself podcasting podcasting imagine yourself with like the worst like diarrhea stomach flu that's what you can do can i just do oral surgery instead because that's what that's the zone that also is pretty hellish you're right all right eric bro what do you got buddy what's cooking over in griffith indiana it's gonna be no surprise here that i continue to watch johnny depp goddamn trial yeah there it is we are we are in a one week break so i managed to sneak up some stuff in uh beginning with uh johnny depp star uh, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> I had to go back. I had to go back and be like, "All right, let's just think about the talent." Yes, I agree. Shy yeah. Wright is Shy Wright is back. Colin Jay Robinson was in the most recent season. Colin yes. Robinson. Colin Robinson played by Mark Prosk. I think his oh. name is. Anyway, yeah. Alice in Wonderland, horrible. Uh, from Tim Burton, one of you his worst. Say. Such an ugly film. Such a disgusting, dismal depressing Shocking. movie from a really fun source material what was this choice um so i stayed on disney plus and i i watched uh i'm trying to catch up on every single disney animated feature so that i can mm. rank them mm-hmm. um you know spoiler alert possible a uh, patreon situation coming up for a cinema nine podcast so i i may be presenting a uh, a ranked video of all uh disney animated films 
So um, after Pinocchio and Snow White, they did this movie, The Reluctant Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like an anthology uh, mixed with some really interesting parts about behind the scenes of, of the animation, which are really interesting. But the uh, piece de resistance, like the capper, is the reluctant dragon. <laughs> Befuddling. You do know <laughs> the so uh, bizarre. You do know the story about me and the reluctant dragon, right? Uh, I have no, a. I'm very I have interested. A, I have a, a circle scar right in the center what? of my forehead because in fifth grade we were doing a play version of the uh, reluctant dragon. I was the left paw. And I saw my script oh. lying underneath a piano, and I leaned forward to get it, and I slammed my head into the corner of the piano so hard that I knocked myself unconscious and had to get taken to the hospital and get stitches, and I still have the scar. And I was so embarrassed, I told everybody that I fell off the stage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow, dude. That's my reluctant wow. I can't say reluctant dude. dragon to me and not have me tell that story. Sorry. <laughs> not for sure you're going to be like, you have not seen this tattoo of the reluctant dragon on oh, my Oh, yeah, whole back piece. <laughs> I kid. Um, whenever tight. you're watching Disney Plus and like the we're sorry, there's a lot of cultural stereotypes in this movie you're about to see uh, thing comes up. It's, it always gains my attention. <laughs> so I'm like, OK, what was the problem? Well, there, <laughs> there was a big problem. The reluctant dragon himself is basically like a big gay dragon that like sits around eating cake and reciting oh, poetry for like 40 yeah, minutes. He's, he's so coded. Like isn't he? literally all he does is sit around eating uh, cake and go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's problematic for sure. Oh, boy. Wow. So oh. interested, that's literally all he does. Eats cake, recites poetry, goes, oh, oh. Sounds fucking great. I mean, I want that life. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> does sound out. promising. Yeah, check it out. Um, okay. okay. On Hulu, they finally did a deep dive on the Steven Stainer kidnapping story. Remember in 1989, the made-for-TV movie, I Know My First Name is Steven, starring Parker Lewis Can't Lose His Own, Corin Nemec? Who could forget? This movie haunted me as a kid. Uh, it's it, it, the story about this kid who gets kidnapped, and I remember it so clearly seeing this on TV as a two-parter, so like you had to come back the next night. Mm -hmm. I was so terrified of being abducted. That may have be a big reason for why I live such a sheltered life from an overprotective mother, because we watched this TV movie as a family. It's so and, funny and because I was almost kidnapped as a kid from my front yard, and we didn't have that issue. You were almost kidnapped <laughs> by that guy who uh, tried to steal your lawnmower no, too. The, yeah, the lawnmower? Yeah. No, that was that was that was different. No, that was different. No, when I was a little kid, uh, someone tried to like pull me into the. Oh, into the God. car into the end of my driveway. Oh, that's Ted. Yeah. All jokes aside, the documentary is solid, and uh, I'm glad they brought this back to the forefront because it's a really interesting story about um, hope in the face of hopelessness. Check it out on Hulu. It's called Captive Audience. It's about the media attention that surrounded the story and how it kind of took over and ended up ruining this guy's life. And his brother and his brother okay, became his a fucking serial killer. <laughs> yeah, his brother became a serial murderer. Yeah. Check it out on Hulu. Other than that, though, I cannot wait till this Monday. Time for the cross-examination. I'm there. <laughs> All right. You fucking people. I have not watched a second of this, but I keep <laughs> hearing about it. Like, every podcast I listen to, it just you seems to be showing people. up. Or, did you see what's going on? I just... I got a real beef with it. I just think it's really gross. And I would just imagine if my own life was put on display to the world. And it just makes me so uncomfortable that I would never... I never want to experience... 
you know, you can do what you want. You can entertain yourselves. They're, they're doing it. They're, Johnny Depp, you know, took her to court again. And yeah. yeah, it was his choice. So I, it's his responsibility. They're all out there. And I just feel weird about it. I don't know. It's very it's strange. so sorted. Great about it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It mild, I mean, that's put it mildly. It really is. Fuck. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. But uh, uh, oh, Lou's review says reluctant memories for the reluctant <laughs> dragon. Yes. No. That's well said, oh. Lou. <laughs> that's funny to me though, because we always do that. Like, oh, that has nothing to do with anything. It's just a dumb noise dragon. we make. Yeah, I, so. I, I thought I oh. was more of a Monty Python sound yeah it's just like it's like the queen like oh like it's imitating the queen of england so <laughs> oh like she that's all she does if she does that all the time it, it makes me laugh thinking that she doesn't actually <laughs> speak does. I, I don't oh. think she actually can speak english <laughs> she just walks around making oh that the noise. queen of england can yeah that's right she makes she that cannot. noise all the time that's true <laughs> but as pierce morgan said on bill maher's podcast oh. recently, that she's a she's the world's most respected leader <laughs> Really? <laughs> so I was like, okay, whatever, Piers Morgan. She's a leader. Anyways. Uh, yeah, yeah, she is. Uh, I got nothing. I got nothing. Uh, oh, I just got oh. doing... Shocking. I, when I've had a chance to watch a few things during all this bullshit that's been going on in my life, uh, I've watched these dumb Joe Blow videos. Like, I've told you about it before. What the fuck happened to so-and-so? I've seen all of them. Like, I've just... Every single one of them. Some of them don't even make sense. Like, I told you, what the fuck happened to Kirsten Dunst? She's here. She's, nothing happened to her. It's all She's good. Around. She's tweeting yeah, and everything. Like, yeah. So, you know, some of these don't make sense, but I just can't help it. I just want to do it. And then they're doing all these retrospectives on DC movies. So I've been watching those and, you know, the train wrecks behind the Salkine producers, Elia and Alexander. And I mean, they had good intentions initially. And then what led to Superman 4, which they actually sold the rights to. They weren't involved in that. So they they actually were smart to get out of Superman before that ultimate disaster. Yeah. And then, you know, it's time's really starting to go by here. And I felt like I, w- I needed a break from the Dark Knight. Like I, I did so immersed in the Dark Knight, seen it so many times. It's such a part of our pop culture world. And it's rightly so. I'm not dismissing it, but... I'm actually finding myself now like, oh, wow, now it's 2022. It's been 14 years, and we're at a historical yeah. point now where we can right. kind of look at it, and I'm I'm kind of into like, okay, as a historian to me, oh, well, let's look at it now. How does, does it look it hold now? Yeah. It doesn't hold up. I mean, what we do I probably would hold up. I would, it probably would still hold, so. hold up, but I will say that, you know, learning some of the tidbits and how they really did Tim's and consider bits? using... Yeah, Tim's, Tim's bits. bits. Tim bits are delicious. People bits. love Tim Tim's bits. bits. Tim Horton's Tim bits. Yeah. Tim's and bits. So, anyways, right. I, I got to watch. The only movie I watched, Travis, was The Witch. So, All just right. like you. Wow. Look you were this. in the same realm there. Very different so. lives. I mean, I, I was. You were, you were like doing things. I was uh, just. Oh. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. There it is. That's what we've been watching. That's what we recommend. Of course, you can email the show, cinema9pod at protonmail.com and if you have something to say you could also tweet at us you could uh what instagram us uh, yeah. leave a comment on on the youtube channel also please subscribe yeah. and like and that kind of stuff uh any other plugs that we need to make before we get into the bitch <laughs> well you know eric did mention that yeah well we're working on making a patreon probably happen in here we're gonna do that so uh, stay tuned of course we'll give you updates and information uh we think we have more to offer besides just the show it will still have the show and it will be our bread and butter but of course. you know maybe there's some other stuff we can offer you guys that you might you might like to know what's travis making for dinner on a tuesday night i don't know 
Sound interesting? Probably not anything of interest. I don't, I don't. I'm kind of interested. I don't know if I was sitting at home <laughs> yeah, and I if I had just just had oral surgery up. and I was sitting at home, I'd yeah. watch that. So, mm -hmm. well, yeah, we're probably gonna do. We're talking about maybe some uh, not exactly bonus episodes, but maybe some uh, kind of random chatter episodes. Get away from movies a little bit, and then maybe some deep dives. Uh, some singular deep dives into there if, and anything that you think that you'd be interested in watching let us know um you know we're open to uh suggestions but yeah we're we're finally we've we've made jokes and we've made promises that we would never really monetize this and we're not going to give you commercials but we are going to give you the option to give us your money and then we'll give you something of less value yeah for the record travis has said that i'll monetize everything i have to and i'm a capitalist i'm a sick capitalist fuck that's who i am okay i'm a, I'm a conflicted capitalist conflicted capitalist yeah right here. i'm just kidding i mean reluctant that's that should be most people unfortunately i'm the left paw the reluctant, <laughs> the reluctant capitalist yes all right that's perfect all right well it's time to get to the main event 2015 slash 16s the witch yeah a movie it's a movie. It is a film, right? Am I wrong? I mean, The Witch is a film. So Travis selected this movie, and it's got people in it, people that we know of, uh, some people mm -hmm. that I didn't know of. I mean, Anya. Is it Anya? Or, I always thought it was I, Anna Taylor-Joy. I think it's Anna Taylor-Joy. Isn't that what it is? Uh, Anna. Anya. Anya. I see a Y in there, so I didn't know there was a Y. Uh, that's oh. That's my I'm bad. I'm observant as fuck. I don't know that I ever noticed that either. So Anya taylor -Joy. I swear. That's what it says. So maybe uh, it's also possible. Maybe she is Anna now. I think I woke up in that reality this morning. Like a tandy situation. Yeah, this is this is a Berenstein oh. Bears thing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So yes, uh, it's, start, it's written and directed by Robert Eggers and uh, Travis. You're the one who chose this movie. So can you take us back, not too far in history, because it came out <laughs> seven years ago. No, and I've only seen it the one time. Uh, this is a oh. movie that you know. I feel like I feel kind of bad almost saying this, but I'm not sure which one came out first, if it was The Witch or Ari Aster's uh, Hereditary. But like all of a sudden, I just remember like hearing about both of these movies uh, around the same time and everyone to kind of and there have been some other stuff that's, you know, elevated horror or whatever that had been coming out, like the Black Coat's Daughter, for instance, and some other stuff that was just kind of a, a step above but here was, you know, these two new filmmakers that uh, were getting a lot of chatter. So th for that reason alone, I was like, OK, people are talking about this horror movie. I will watch this horror movie. I'm always down for a period piece. And I was floored. I was absolutely floored, but I had not revisited it, it since. And I thought, why not? You know, I, I, I had thought that maybe I'd see The Northman this week, but instead I just laid around and moaned. Mm. But um <laughs> <laughs> I felt sorry there. for myself a little bit. But, um, yeah, so I was happy to dig back into The Witch with pen and paper. And I definitely, I'm glad I did because I, I, I got a lot more out of it this time than the first viewing. So it was this, mm. it was, a, uh, it came out of nowhere. Like, did you see it in theaters? No, I watched it at home. Mm. Yeah, I got to say, man, like back in the day before, um, Harry Knowles, who ran in at Cool, got into a bit of a Me Too situation. I would get free tickets all the time to major shows in Chicago where all the stars and the directors would come. And I had just a chance to meet people like Bennett Miller and uh, Nicholas Winding Refn because of this contest. And I 
I wound up getting tickets to The Witch with Robert Eggers in attendance, and I fucking got the flu the night uh, they did the show, Damn. so I couldn't see it. That sucks. Um, but I heard such great things on the message boards on the, on the website that I checked it out like the next day. <sighs> blown away. I, just blown away. Like, the thought of me being like scared in a theater in mm-hmm. like 2015 was in- incomprehensible to me at that time because I was, I was already like, it, horror was in such a weird spot before. This is like, right, you're right. Wait, right where the elevated horror thing was starting to come into play and like, hey, horror movies can actually be fucking scary and not just fun scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so see these. And I walked out of the theater blown away. Haven't seen it since. All right. Wow, dude. Okay. Uh, Lou says, when my ex-girlfriend and I watched it in 2016 or 17, we both experienced some form of sleep paralysis that night. It was a weird <laughs> night. I feel like any night that involves sleep paralysis is going to be a weird night. I never had it. I hope I never do. I've never had that either, as far as I know. Um, I feel like you'd remember. uh, Yeah, I feel like I would. I'm also an undiagnosed bozo, so I don't know. You never know. Maybe I've experienced it. Either way, I never saw this movie, so this is my first viewing, and uh, we're going to keep talking about that. It does have uh, Katie, what's her name? Uh, The lady from Game of Thrones who, you know, again. uh, Kate Dickey. Kate Dickey, second film or second piece of content that she's been in with Game of Thrones and this movie where she's breastfeeding. So uh, in Game of Thrones, she's breastfeeding a 10-year-old boy, which is a lot more uncomfortable, I would say. But then again, you know, who am I to judge cultural mores? You know, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. A, a crow or a boy. <laughs> a crow or a 10-year-old boy. Um, also, <laughs> Ralph Innocent was also on, in the second mm. season of uh, Game of Thrones. So he really just oh. went to Game of Thrones and like mined them. He he, I didn't recognize him at first either. Because, but he is, uh, like a second in command or whatever to the Watch. Oh, what's no no um the the the, the Wildlings? The, no, the gray sea, the sea gray the gray. Oh, the, the uh, iron the iron gray whatever the fuck you know what I'm trying to Ironborn the Ironborn <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah those guys he's he's like a, a seafaring yeah. man. Um, yeah, what were those? What were they funny. called the? The iron, yeah. yeah. Well, the the Iron Throne is the Iron Throne. Am I getting that yeah. wrong too? Yeah. I know who you're guys, talking about the, the, pe- the, the people who have the boats out there. Ship, yeah, the like, people. So, uh, <laughs> one of the, the many people, one of the many eunuchs of the of the series. Um. <laughs> uh, the Sea People. We're just going to call them Sea People now because we're blanking uh, out on it, which is yeah. kind of embarrassing the, for who us. Cares? Who cares? Oh no! It was right. I was right. The Ironborn. Yeah, there you go. All They're right. the iron. So okay, right. they're the natives of the Iron Islands. That makes sense. So. All right. So yeah, that okay. So that does that does ring a bell, Travis. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Lou also says A twenty four comes out with some banger horror movies. The movie called Men is coming out, but it was a nice refreshing change to see everything everywhere all at once, which is a movie that Travis yeah, uh, lauded recently. But Alex Garland's uh, Men is looking very promising. Well, it's Alex Garland. I mean, to me, that's yeah. an immediate sign of uh, okay. I got probably got to watch that. Yeah, yeah, right. Same, yeah, same. Uh, IMDb score. Uh, I saw the score. So if you guys want to take a guess, I'll let you know. I'm going to guess. To. High. Um, you saw it too. Yeah. Oh, I, okay, I didn't see it. I'm going to guess high out, but I'm not going to say quite eight high. I'll say seven point nine. Mm. Way too high. Way too high. What is six, it? Six nine, isn't it, Mike? Six point nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Six point nine. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. Well, but this movie <laughs> might not be for everybody, I guess. What? 
Not everybody's okay. the A twenty four nerds that we are. Right. Uh <laughs> so the witch on Rotten Tomatoes, ninety percent. So Travis That's for you. the critics, ninety yeah. percent. The critics audience though, fifty nine percent. That's a big, yep. monstrous forty percent gap. I read a wow. review somewhere that mentioned that if you went in uh, expecting a horror movie and didn't know that it was going to be like dramatic horror or like art house horror, then you might really, really hate it. Which I thought makes sense. If you if you were expecting flashbang boom, uh, that's not this. That's I literally fair. remember being in the theater and when the credits rolled and I was trying to catch my breath, some asshole behind me going. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did That'd call it me. slow horror. Slow <laughs> horror is not for everyone. Mike, how much did you fast forward through this one? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Never mind. Yeah. I don't want you admitting that on air. Let's let's do that again. No, I will. <laughs> I I am the I, I am freely. Are. I'm in the camp of the people over there at Cinema Sins. Skip. Absolutely. There's always skip moments in a lot of movies, yeah. I and I got no beef with that. Quite the so. reputation you think they do. Let me ask you this: um, Why should anyone, let alone me or Eric, but someone listening, why should anyone listening take your opinion seriously if, if you didn't watch the movie in, in its entirety? Well, I did. It was just faster. That's all. So. <laughs> I didn't. It's not like you skip chapters. I don't skip chapters at all. No. It's just you press you press fast forward. We're three times fast. And every, oh, I didn't lose. I witch. didn't lose fast a beat. Forward. I didn't lose a thing. I I stuck with the plot. Nothing was confusing to me. So it does work if it but needed to. You didn't to. get the director's like, pacing. You don't get like the experience that's intended. Right? Oh, well, I tried that at first. I did. So I didn't skip until I realized, oh, this is going to be really drawn out and slow. So <laughs> like uh, when those kids are singing that fucking Black Phillip song, yes. I'm like, OK, I get the song. All right, cool. All right. All right OK, so show me something else. So I got that part of it. It all made sense. Uh, as far as what the critics said, though, how about this person named uh no i don't know if we're gonna do that. There's a lot of newcomers. Since this is a recent movie, we have like yeah. a whole new generation of reviewers and in fact this is probably good for us i've been dying i've been dying for goody coons i really have and just have not been able to find them in a long long time how about from the hollywood outsider aaron peterson says the witch is a good movie a solid effort with several chilling moments from a director on the rise but much like it follows last year this is not reinventing the wheel oh god it follows it's so good i i almost did that one instead also, movies don't have to do anything but be good. Uh, hopefully, they don't have to do that <laughs> shit. Fuck you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a subjective, subjective world. They don't have to do anything, so if they don't want to, um, how about oh, here's a <laughs> how about Stephen D. Gray Danis from the Catholic Digest? <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's got a top critic star, too, next to his name. Uh, from the Catholic Digest, the stakes are real. The devil is real. Mm. <laughs> All the roads do not lead up the mountain. Some lead to the heart of darkness, to the depths of a witch-haunted wood. <laughs> oh, God. I feel like he may have missed the point. I hope he, I hope he had to watch. I hope, I hope this guy had to review St. Maud. <laughs> dude that's funny i'm always gonna remember that if that guy ever shows up again we're doing all his reviews from now on but i have a feeling he only reviewed this movie for a specific reason because it seems yeah. like oh this is about 
this is uh, our this is where we come from. Right. Uh, Max Weiss of Baltimore Magazine, as horror films go, the film is more slow burn than edge of your seat thriller, but it builds steadily to its dreadful and earned conclusion. Okay, picture's been. Uh, um, a lot of people say if you know what you're getting into going in, you're likely to enjoy it quite a bit more. Uh, so <laughs> if you're expecting scream and and uh, saw, you're gonna you're gonna be disappointed. I mean, it's just a, a different type of film. Yeah. Yeah. Let me give a one negative review because those are all positives. Just in case it was not clear. Uh, Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck band. Jeff, Jeff Beck. Beck from the Blue Spot. Jeff Beck from the BLU Spot. The witch does an excellent job in establishing its 1630s New England setting. But when it comes to the film's storyline, it's never quite able to reach the compelling and disturbing heights that writer-director Robert Eggers strives for. So, hmm. there you go. All right. You're entitled I mean, to your opinion. What's he striving? What's he striving for, by the way? Do we know? What was the director striving for? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What is any director striving for to entertain and also make us think, I guess that's probably <laughs> about the norm. So this is like a hardcore to me. This is like a, a his, historical drama. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, like to me, like I, I almost forgot that it's a horror movie. I, I don't mm. think necessarily think I think of it as a period piece before I think of it as a horror movie. Somebody from not seeing anything from the outside. Somebody online called it lit class horror. It made me laugh. That is funny. Lit class horror. Lit class horror. From the outsider's perspective, knowing nothing about it, only seeing the poster, not watching a trailer or anything, it just it looks like it's a scary movie. It's called The Witch, and it's that mm -hmm. picture behind me. I mean, right? It's yeah. Like, oh, it looks ominous and eerie. And, it is ominous, but it didn't tell me anything about like hardcore legitimate vernacular of the time and the way they spoke which was <laughs> I, I totally got i totally got what eric was saying when he said make did sure you, you turn the closed yeah. captions on did you turn them in on? our text thread earlier this week oh yeah, yeah. Hell, I, I told you i usually i, I actually Travis, forgot to initially you, not, you, you said you did nope. not turn them on i've watched this movie twice now i didn't turn them on either time but you know what i mean i can I don't. I don't have to know what Jeremy Enoch is saying to appreciate Sunny Day Real Estate. Like, it's true. Uh, it's almost this movie actually almost works like a silent film. Like, I yeah. I thought about turning the captions on at one point, but then I was yeah. like, you know what? Fuck it. I think that if I'm missing stuff here and there, I don't think it's really going to matter because there's a vibe being set, and I think that the filmmaker is intelligent enough to be aware that his audience is not going to understand every word that comes out of their mouth. And right. I, I, for all the complaints I made about Tenet, <laughs> which is basically at the same principle, we're not expected to follow everything that's being said. I think that um, I, I at least understood that or I felt that watching the movie last night that like, it's okay if I'm missing stuff. It's like watch it's, it's like turning the closed captions on like Orson Welles chimes at midnight. Like, yeah, you'll be able to see the words, but they're not going to contextually clue you in on what's going on. It's the it's the language, like 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 you. Well, then if you're if take if you're your leave, sir. The, the emotion here, like, uh, what's the use of just knowing exactly every word what these what these characters are saying? Uh, one of the beautiful things about it is the the acting. They get every single emotion across, yeah. and when you say it's like a silent film, it does its job. It's fun that Eggers does his homework and gives mm -hmm. us this language based on 
text yeah, <laughs> and documents, but accurate as it could be. Do you need it? No, because these actors are selling every single emotion, line. And can we talk about Ralph Innocent's voice? I mean, he sounds I was like, just it was that was on the tip yeah. of my tongue. I was ready to go to town on that. He sounds like Harvey Firestone is choking to death on honey. I yeah. love it. <laughs> it's like Harvey <laughs> Weinstein's. You can't even do it. You can't replicate Waits. it. Wow. Harvey Firestein or Harvey Weinstein? I don't know what Harvey Ooh. Weinstein. I said Harvey wow. Firestein. You said Harvey, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, you did. Harvey Firestein gargling whiskey. Honey whiskey. It was, yes. it was so deep. It was super, super deep. And I was enthralled by it. Every time he spoke, I was like, I just want to hear this guy talk. This guy better have a massive voiceover career somewhere because that <laughs> voice needs to be used in everything he could possibly get his hands on. I completely I, agree, Travis. It was like a highlight. I was like, I yeah. love this voice. It's amazing. The first time I, I finished Rough. the movie, I'm like, this guy needs to do uh, Mary Shelley dialogue. And I looked and he has. He has done Frankenstein. <laughs> Thank God. Because this guy is Yay. the voice of Frankenstein or Frankenstein's creature, if I've ever heard it. Yep, he absolutely is. It's it's really like sticks out at you. It's such a quiet movie, anyways. I mean, you don't you get the music. Let's talk about some of the music in this film, which gets mixed in with goat noises uh, or sheep. <laughs> which one? Like there was that one scene well, where she has put the, the goats to bed, lay them down, child, or whatever the fuck they call it, putting them, bedding yeah. them. And, and the music and the goat, the goats are like, and then the music's like, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's, that's fresh. That's different. Oh, okay. I heard the smile. Uh, um, yeah, the, the music is sparing and uh, well used, I feel like. It's, you know, it's not, I mean, the movie has a real stark reality going on throughout it i mean the movie starts with a baby getting mashed up in a pestle and smeared all over a woman it's heavenly inferred that's exactly what's going on the baby gets oh see, i didn't catch that dude i didn't catch that i didn't catch it the mm. first time i saw it either but the second time when i watched it last night because the baby goes missing and then the next thing it right. shows is the, is the witch with a big old pestle and she's got this red gore that she's streaking all over herself and basically like rubbing all over her broomstick so um <laughs> oh man he's coming in hot that's, i guess is where i'm going that, with it. that's samuel yeah mike the child you, yeah the missing you, child you, um, it, it gets much more disturbing when you like Wikipedia flying ointment and uh, start reading into oh. it. Oh, well, uh, especially it's well, the movie. I'll give you credit. The movie truly starts with like tight, tight shot on Taylor Joy's face as you hear an Innocent's voice behind it. I do not <laughs> talking about. And then take your leave, sir. And yeah, so so then and, and by the way, they build. <laughs> They build all the shit they have there. They build their house, uh, ha part of a barn, and an additional little shed area for the animals. And it all fit on that little wagon they were taking on, which they all were on as well. I, I was, this is a side to, note, minor detail, but well, I was like, eh. he, he proves himself to be a master woodcutter because he loves cutting wood because that's like his main escape for like when he's an upset and angry so which is his final resting place too <laughs> which is irony and then they actually brought on like two individuals who were like a, like a stonemason type guy and like a thatcher um to to mm -hmm. to, to, to do that work single-handed themselves so it was pretty legitimate but what i really love about this is that the puritans are the most fuck off like we are will leave all of society to practice religion exactly our, our our way we will exile ourselves from everyone to do it exactly our way we won't let you come with us and do it your way but and and then you get the this family where he's like no you are not extreme enough we are actually going to leave 
you like a Puritan leaving the Puritans. Yeah. So hardcore, but yeah. it happened. It happened. Oh, it's totally believable. That's death, how the, it's a death that, wedge, but it happened. Yeah. And leaving the plantation, going outside the walls is a very, see, that's a realistic situation where you really are in danger. Now there's not going to be a, a witch that don't exist. The witches aren't real. It that, turns you know. out. Turns out, I, I don't think. Uh, but the, the wolves exist too, but they don't take babies either. That's bullshit. So it's a really fascinating mix of uh, a dramatic historical retelling with uh, mystical events, religiosity that was real, uh, stories, that, as it says at that little liner at the credits, uh, based on folk tales and court proceedings. So it's fascinating for us to kind of pick it apart. What's real? What wasn't real? What do we what do we take from it as a moviegoer? And as a first-time watcher, it's kind of overwhelming because especially not knowing what to expect, I'm just like, okay, what did I just watch? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can't overlook that first scene. I, oh, I love that first scene because it sets the stage for this man's um, pride. <laughs> yeah. So are you guys with him all the way? Like, fuck this guy? Pride. I, and yeah, from oh, uh, yeah. Uh, from the get-go, I'm like, this guy is uh, putting his entire family in mortal grave danger yeah. because of his pride. That look on Anya Taylor's Joy's face when they're driving away is like, I don't want this to be happening, right. but what the fuck am I going to do? My right. mother's not even saying anything against oh, this. God. And then the look of, of like exaltation on her mother's face and on Caleb's face when they get to the clearing and like everybody's on board, but Anna Taylor joy. And that's because she's got a fucking brain in her head. Um, I am not on board with, with William, the father, because like he is, and, and this is like what I, I think makes the movie work so well is that it's not that he's, crazy it's not that he's mm. a bad person he is deceived by ideology and he is living and acting as as best as he can with the with the knowledge that he has just like anybody in any time period so i sympathize with him but i'm frustrated with him because i'm on the outside and i can see him making these terrible choices based on utter fictions that i know are fictions but to him were very real it was common knowledge at that time that the devil lived in the wilderness not just any wilderness but the wilderness of north america like they truly believed that he was out there so why wouldn't they think this stuff would happen so is Black Philip really the devil? <laughs> well, man, you're you're opening up a can of worms. And for me to get kind of into the horror of the film, what the picture does, and I dismissed this on my first viewing, but it was impossible to do this on the second. It shows us that there is a witch in the woods, and she took Sam and made a flying ointment out of his blood and gore. Were you not to show that, we could have maybe uh, swam around and enjoyed some of the mystery of the film, of whether or not may, perhaps Thompson was doing this, but that, that is given away right off the bat. Um, but I missed that, though. As a first-time viewer, it went right over my head. I'm just saying. So not everybody got that, necessarily. Dude, the first yeah. time I watched the movie, I'm with you, Eric. I, 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 I think I am. The first time I watched the movie, I ended it thinking 
the witch wasn't real. The witch never existed. It, it, this is all an unreliable narrator kind of situation, and there is no witch. This is all just an explanation for people dying in the wilderness. And mm. maybe that's true. But the, the, watching it this time, I felt like you did. I'm like, what am I? Where did I get? Where the fuck did I get that there's no witch? I'm looking at this naked hag. Yeah, there is yeah. clearly a witch. There, she, literal. She, she smears stuff all happened. over herself and comes and becomes younger. Like we are shown yeah. over and over again. There's a literal flies witch into the Sabbath and this. Right. beautiful shot <laughs> yeah so watching it this time yes black philip is the devil it's all true it takes all of that mythology mm. that we know oh it's all just nonsense blah blah mm-hmm. blah and it spins it on us by being like no it's all true it's all real right and the, ah! mistake, the funnest thing about it is that we're on board with anya, Ta- anya taylor joy's character so much that we're like but by the time even watching it last night because i kind of forgotten when she starts talking to black philip at the end i'm like oh now you're on your own bullshit you completely bought in and and like you're like because you're you're like losing it and then the devil talks back and i'm like oh it really is all real so like even her as as like the skeptical sensible one uh she falls prey to it yeah that's so interesting i got so much to say on that (laughs) go ahead say something else i loved when black philip talked back because it it not only confirmed her suspicions that religious zealotry in this aspect solely in terms of this film is bullshit and if i'm gonna pray sincerely on my knees like i do in this first scene and still have my family fucking killed and not only that try to kill me uh um why not take this journey okay for so for her to to join this coven uh when she was pulled away from people that could have protected her and helped her as this burgeoning young woman uh i kind of found some glee in this ending which Mm -hmm. kind of like freaked me out and yeah and (laughs) and i i enjoyed I want to go back Very to one bizarre. point though. I got to get back to that. You said it's it proves that it's bullshit, but doesn't actually prove the opposite that it's not bullshit. I mean, because they if we're saying the devil's real and all this shit is to be feared, then what they're doing, the Puritans, is very much what it's, they should be doing. Right. That's right. why it spins right. it on us. Like it, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like it turns out that he is right the whole time. Well, I mean, yeah, not, he, which I got from you entirely. Right. He wasn't but, right to leave the plantation, but it turns out he was right. Like they're all like. Puritanism. That's, it turns out we're, we should all be Calvinists. Yeah, that, that's, is that what you're saying, Eric? Then, because I clearly got well, what Travis said, but you said it was bullshit. So I, 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 I would have liked more mystery in that first hour, so we could determine whether or not it's just paranoia, psychosis, maybe even like corn poisoning because they're eating rotten corn. <laughs> right. Uh, but but when it turns literal, yeah, I do start to enjoy it because what else is she going to do? Um, but yeah. I, yeah. Well, then I asked. Oh, oh, go ahead. Right. I, sure? I, I think I, I think Egger's mistake is that he both tries to make this a mystery while while also being very literal about it. Okay. Well, uh, one thing I want to say what you mentioned prior, Travis, was for me as the viewer, I really was unclear who Thomason was. Like, like it seemed like maybe she was trying to mess around with the twins that were annoying her by the brook that day and then she says yes i am the witch and i'm all this i'm like oh at that point i'm slightly confused i really am like okay she could possibly be the witch here but she could also be screwing with her younger siblings i'm not sure and that's how i saw this i think we're supposed to i think that's exactly what you're supposed to get as a viewer is that is that exactly that ambiguity 
Um, okay. To go to go back to two things that um, real quickly. One, Black Phillip's voice, I am one hundred percent convinced, is modeled on Satan's voice from that uh, Mark Twain claymation TV show special from the nineteen eighties. If anybody remembers this, it's the scariest shit ever. Um, that and then also the corn. You mentioned the corn that like the, this blighted mm-hmm. corn. Corn, as we know it now, as you guys probably surely know, uh, is not what corn used to look like. It, it, it used to look like that, where it was like a mix. Like what we think of as corn now is like the super domesticated corn. And I love that this movie goes so far out of its way to have even the fucking corn be authentic. Like there is one point in the movie I'm like looking at like Caleb's hat and I'm like, oh, that stitching actually looks like it could have been done by a machine. I don't know. And that's like the one fucking complaint I have. <laughs> that was what I thought of the whole movie, too. That's that he loved it. No, that you love the historical, like, hardcore accuracy. The whole time, like, oh, Travis loves this movie because it's so accurate historically. And rightfully so. I mean, that is a cool part of it. But they're eating, like, even after he says, like, um, the corn is trash. Like, he says something pretty similar, like, the corn is trash. She says that, yeah. They continue to eat it. Yeah, and there is well, um, God, what do they call it? Ergoism er- or something like ergodism, yeah. where you are gonna fucking trip balls if you eat rotten corn and and some subspecies of corn, and this could explain it. But no, we already had that scene where there is a witch and there's some tainted, satanic shit going on. But that's that's the fun of it. They're spinning on the whole Salem's witch thing because that's one of the potential explanations for that. That has been largely debunked. That's probably not what happened with Salem. but um, And it's probably not what's happening here. But again, it's just another – like he's constantly muddying the waters on us. He, and on one hand, this feels like a pretty straightforward story, but as the, you know, all three of us are like getting different things at different times. And it's all mm. like intentionally confusing, which, so when you say you wish the mystery was there, I think the mystery is there. And that's partly why it works for me is that like, we're being like, that I could be shown straight up, hey, here's the witch. And then I'm like, hmm, I'm not sure there's a witch in this movie. I mean, I might be some kind of special idiot, but still, I think it's uh, good work on on Edgar's part. Uh, I did have a part of me, by the time she goes to the congregates of witches around the fire, I, I definitely thought like, oh, this movie's kind of formulaic. I definitely thought that. I'm not going to lie. And I'm not hmm. sure that I believe that though, but I want to get that out there. Like, Oh, the story's kind of run. Like it didn't, I didn't think it was very surprising. And they also don't rely on jump scares of this movie either, which I really would. I want to give a a plus commendation to Mr. Eggers and the crew for not falling for that trope. That makes me very happy, but Definitely above jump scares. This movie. Yes. And that's cool. And I'm down with that, but I also wonder, so what the hell happened to the twins then? Yeah. They vanished. They vanished. As Do you miss them? And we just, yeah, no. Oh, oh, great point. Okay, I want to hit this. I'm so glad you just said that. So I don't like kids in movies a lot. They're usually pretty annoying. You know, kids can be annoying at times. I was a kid. I probably was so annoying. Oh, my God, it must have been the worst. But I got to give it up to Scrimshaw. He 
is this is one of the best Solid. kid performances I ever saw. When he spits out and vomits that apple, and he is having the whole experience when he might be dying, and he is Ooh. dying. That God. was the things he is a child. That's not a yeah. that's not an adult. That is a child actor doing the things he was doing. Not only physically, but the screaming and the testament and the believability in his eyes yeah. in that moment after he's returned by the witch. It was incredible. That was a really really standout child acting performance. And like all one take and then he dies and has yeah. to like lay there dead and, and plays dead really good i'm like Amazing. jesus this kid's outstanding so good and yet i'm sitting there and i'm like well when eggers is hammering out this screenplay what am i to get from this because clearly he's been taken in by he's been taken in by not only the incest incestuous temptation of his sister but also the literal temptation of the shape-shifting witch. Yeah. And he ate the proverbial apple, and yet he is acting enlightened in in lieu of his death. Like, what what's going on here? Is this Satan, like, fucking with him? Like, what is this testimony he apprises? I don't know, because it's I, I, so much of me when watching the movie, even though Eggers is telling us, hey, it's all real, it's all real from the get-go, I'm like, no, none of, none of this is real. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh. I, it, you know what I mean? It's it, that's it's okay. You just this is a feminist like... <laughs> point of view, though. There's a feminist point of view, though, in that when he Caleb is you know eyeing up his sister's cleavage, that What's isn't her fault. Point of view in that? The feminist oh. point of view is that she is just doing her daily work. She's not, you know, later in the movie, her mother says, you slut, and you were, you know, you were trying to taunt him with your slutty, sultry ways. And she wasn't doing any of that. So that's what I'm saying. This is actually, it's it's a bit of a pro-feminist movie. Like, hey, you can't, a woman's just doing her everyday job. You're the one who are putting these monikers and these points of view on here because you're lusting. It's not her. You know what I found really fascinating about that was that Caleb, you know, it shows him like sneak a couple glances down his sister's shirt, but you know, like, and I guess it's like from lack of options. I mean, the kid's supposed to play twelve years old, and like, like where else is he gonna look? Not, not to condone, but like, so when he, so yeah, exactly. So when he <laughs> sees an actual woman who's a stranger, and it's you know, she has cleavage. Of yeah, course, he's beautiful. fucking bewitched. Okay. Um. I've heard some chatter about this, and I'm trying to wrap my head around it. So we've got a father with William who drags his family out in the middle of nowhere. We've got a prepubescent boy who has no options in terms of dealing with his burgeoning sexuality. So, yeah, that's natural to see. And what the fuck is this kid going to do? How is he going to deal with these emotions? They're just going to be blamed on Satan. And we've got a young woman in Thomason in the second that she's perceived as being this um, soon-to-be woman, quote-unquote, she gets barraged by her mother's insults and, and threatened to be casted out. Like, the, irresponsibly, the irresponsibility of the father is huge in this. The pride of William can't be... Um, it, it, it's the downfall of the entire film. Like In, in my opinion, the entire movie is about this... Uh, I'm so sick of this word toxic, this toxic, toxic patriarchy of a man thinking that he knows exactly what's best for not only his sons, but the women in his family, uh, regardless of what their desires are, who they are as people. And his wife is fucking pissed at him. They have no options. What are they going to do in terms of Travis already hit that surrounding them? 
Travis already said it, it was, yes, he's to blame too, but he, it's the ideology and the religion that created William in the first place that leads to him thinking that he knows what's best. I'm not dismissing the blame on him. Isn't that what you said, basically, Travis? 100%. Yeah. So yeah. the journey of this 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 woman with Thomason is, is there from the get-go. Uh, from the first scene, she knows she's probably going to have to leave this and find someone who can take care of her, and it ends up being the... the the, the coven because she has a father who fucking blames her for everything under the sun, including his own faults as a protector. Yeah. Uh, so pretty much everything that she does, the boy does even the fucking kids, which are just being possessed by this fucking goat that probably is literally whispering in their ear. It, it's just, it, it's all right there on the table, but a lot of it is, 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 what the film is basically about is this fucking religious zealotry. Hmm. I don't know, too much? I thought Travis had something to add. I was waiting for him to speak. No, I, I was waiting for you to speak. Uh, oh. Let's 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 nobody speak and let's just end the podcast. Yeah, I think you make a lot of good points, Eric. Go ahead, Mike. I'm also trying to mute my stupid I see that, that yeah. Stop barking. Let me, it's okay. Gonna, it right we love dogs. This is a pro-dog podcast. You know that. And all the people that support us love dogs here. But as a first-time viewer, Eric, it just didn't come across to me to watch it from – Thomason's angle there, in the okay. early parts of it, because when you start Mike, the movie, you, you like, don't see it like that. Like who is who are we supposed to be following? We follow Caleb, right. the boy. Do we follow the father who's doing his best with the tools that he has and the persona that he has? Or are we following this young woman has to live her life as a young young woman in this family in her dedication to to God? Like who was our main character? It, initially, it's not clear to me. I mean, if it looks, we first see the father, you know, on trial and being kicked out, or he leaves gladly, right? And then the whole wagon family singing their songs, their hymns, or whatever, and they're all together. And to me, it's not a Thomason-based movie until much later. So, as you said, Caleb and his father go on this adventure, and I'm like, oh, this kid's becoming much more part of the story now, Caleb's story. And it wasn't clear to me initially. That's also for me to see it yeah. as a Thomason film. I, as a first-time viewer, I just don't see it that way until about 45, 50 minutes in. I think I may have – I'm not sure if I was aware of Anya Taylor-Joy by the time I watched this, but I do think that I picked up that she's the main one just from – that she's the one we spend the most time with in the very, very first frames of the oh, I globbed onto her because I knew who she was. I'm like, oh, it's that? okay, there she is. I know right. her now because I'm seeing right. this after she's become a very – well-known right. movie star very famous now but, but i also think that her name is uh the character's name is of interest like clearly they want like they're all just the her parents are so dissatisfied with their they obviously wanted a son first and caleb is like the replacement um oh, you know, he's I didn't the get that either. son and you know he, they're just constantly like whittling her down for nothing for no reason but again because that's the culture that's the that's that's the world that they live in women are you know in in that time and place for them just existing is not you know not okay <laughs> that silver cup man she got really screwed on that silver cup that wasn't her fault at all mm-hmm. and they're having that beautiful candlelit dinner what a gorgeous evening it was. What were they eating, by the way? Shit corn, corn that night? That all they, corn. I didn't see what was exactly on the plates. So I, I did feel bad that her father, which we already covered, he, he uh, 
left her out to dry. Right, that though. was not yeah. cool I, at all. So yeah, I'd also like to issue a retraction. Uh, oh, retraction! A quick retraction for calling my puppy stupid. She's not stupid. She's very intelligent. She's just I know, thinking it's that, frustrating. I knew me. you would regret that. I, did, I didn't instantly. hear that at all. If you I did, said I said that, my, I never I said my stupid it. dog won't I stop barking. But now like I, she was just lonely and she needed something to nibble on. So she. Well, we'll forgive on, you. Right? Uh, however, you're going to have to go out and chuck some corn and probably feed the goat <laughs> and make sure it's bloody <laughs> milk. Okay, I don't want that boring ass white milk. I want some blood mixed in my milk. Can I can I chop some wood and get some anger out? Yeah, hell yeah, it's good workout, dude. Uh, when the goat bleeds out blood, there, I think it's a turning point, and that's why I bring it up. When the goat, she's milking the goat, Thomason, mm-hmm. and then it bleeds blood. Yeah, and I'm like, a oh. turning point. So are there any sequences that aren't a dream or a possible imaginary <laughs> moment? Because when the twins and Thomason are locked up after Caleb's unfortunate demise, there is that part where the witch is in there with them, but yeah. it's not clear to me because we're not seeing Thomason at all. We're only seeing the twins' point of view. It's focusing no, on them, and I became her, confused. It shows her reacting in shock to the after though, them. but not for like it's like a forty-five seconds to a minute before they mm-hmm. show her. As a first-time viewer, I really locked in. I'm like, oh wait, is this the reveal? Well, Thomason's the witch right here. To and answer your question, I mean, it's also the disappearance of Sam in the very beginning. Like that's like unless we're chalking that up to her unreliable narration. Like, that's clearly physically impossible for a baby to just, even if a wolf is around, you'd see it loping off with it. Like, <laughs> it's, it's physically impossible for a baby to just up and vanish like that. True. But there's several blackouts in this movie. You guys, uh, any beef with that at all? No Eric? beef, but, I, you know. It's a tool. Uh, uh, yeah. it, it probably did not work out on a lot of people that were like, if you're going to give me a like a 10-second blackout, show me something really fucking scary before you do that. If you're just like, uh, <laughs> all right, now we're going to take a break. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's how I saw it. Oh, it's uh, a break time. Okay, no great. Stretch for a minute. There's so many things, like we, the, the weird things, like this This movie has very, it, it has a, very, a, a, a lot of very small weird things. The, like the the fact that the eggs are are not viable, mm-hmm. okay. The fact that this uh, the 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 udders are producing blood, I think you could m- make a case that William was cursed from the onset and influenced by Black Philip, Satan, mm-hmm. whoever you want to call him, because of his. Um, because of the pride. That's yeah. why I love that first scene so much because it just sets off the opportunity for his hypocrisy to be highlighted mm-hmm. and uh, used against him for the entire film. You're going to fucking grow crops? Fuck, you ain't growing yeah. shit. You're going to try to get milk? You ain't growing shit. I'm going to have my own fucking... Yeah. Fucking? Just all of that. And, then it's, and it's contrasted so well with that moment where... Um, after Caleb dies, he chases, um, mm. what's the daughter's mm-hmm. name again? He, uh, Thomason. Thomason. Out, and you think he's like kind of comforting her, but it turns out he's yes. in fact saying, I-, I think you are a witch. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, be truthful yes. with me. Be truthful with but, me. So she lays down a fucking truth bomb on him and tells him all kinds of truth. And his response is, that's the devil's tongue that's right. wagging in your and mouth. Dude, you want to talk about. We talked so much about period pieces in the earlier in the episode and how the setting and time and all of that minutia matters so much. It's so easy to accuse a woman of witchcraft in 1630. There's no proof. 
You don't need None any required. evidence. Right. That's why people would do it for the most ridiculous reasons. Jealousy. Uh, uh, <laughs> just uh, uh, all this insane to get their stuff. Land. To, to get their land. Yeah. Um, so, so to accuse her of that when it's his own infallibility as a farmer, as a hunter, um, uh, is really interesting just on a human emotional level. Um, the scene with the bunny is one of my favorites because we have two things going on. We have uh, a farmer who is inadequate and he's way over his head. Uh, his his classic pride before the fall. But we also have a shape-shifting witch out there that probably is this hair, according to like Scandinavian lore or whatever. Uh, so, so we literally have this man against the devil and we have this man against himself and his own attributes as a father and this like um, burgeoning dread that exists between nature, man, all of this stuff in just one scene. Incredible. Another that's that's very good. Good points um, to harp on uh, the historical accuracy again. One of the things I like about this movie is how it doesn't explain itself to you. So like someone could watch this movie not knowing what bloodletting is, not knowing that bloodletting was the medical norm for hundreds of years. And they'd watch this movie and when and Caleb returns and is clearly sick, they'll be like, why the fuck is the mother cutting her son and making him bleed out of his head? And that would be part of the horror for you. And it and it is horrific. And even if you do know the background, it's still horrific. Um, another thing I also really appreciated as far as historical accuracy goes is that there's this whole, you know, guns, germs, and steel kind of argument that like, oh, you know, Western civilization was just so superior, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. But like the reality is that the technology of the bow and arrow was better suited to the new world at that time and place. When he, when now, obviously if, it, if the hair is the witch, she charms the flintlock somehow, but it shows him futzing with that thing, trying to make it, you know, it's not a, a sensible hunting thing and it blows up in his yep. face and temporarily blinds him. And that was the case at the t in that time and place. You would be much more likely to get food. If you were using a bow and arrow. Good call, Travis. Well said. All right. Well, any other final comments here? We got to come to the conclusion of our, does it hold up? Make sure you get it on the record before we close up shop. It's a classic slow burn horror. When that term was just starting to be bandied about because of Ari Aster and Hereditary, um, because of the Babadook and all this grief. Yeah, but what about like on. burnt offerings and the changeling <laughs> and stuff we've talked about before that's kind of classic horror yeah. or, yeah, or uh, the Wicker Man? You know, that's all yeah. pretty slow burn. Maybe a renaissance of slow burn after, uh, you know, Saw and Hostel and the torture porn. Okay. So audiences weren't used to it. Um, were you bored? Because I'm going to be completely honest. It would be so easy for me to be like, love the witch. Like, this is a tour. This is fucking mess. I was getting bored. Uh, after, and since I already knew what was going on, I, I did start to get yeah. bored a little bit. And the fucking language, I mean, God bless Robert Eggers for doing his homework. But Jesus Christ, like <laughs> Ralph Innocent alone, it's like someone trying to start a motorcycle they just found in a barn. <laughs> like you can't understand what the fuck anyone is saying. I took a couple breaks watching it. And I remember when I watched, like I loved The Lighthouse, 
But I remember watching The Lighthouse for the, the first and only time I watched The Lighthouse, actually. But I remember like watching it. And again, I loved it. But I remember at one point being in the theater and just staring at the, at the seat in front of me. I was literally staring at the back of the seat in front of me being like, I am fucking bored to tears right now. And that's kind of Egger's style. Like that he does. He's not afraid to bore you. Yeah. Which is not necessarily something I think is super great. But uh, I think it works for this movie, at least, in that it creates a kind of hypnotic spell if you will and and it lulls us into which is kind of what i was getting at about you fast forwarding it mike uh because mm. i think that we're supposed to be kind of lulled into this kind of uh feeling in in the movie that is not that transcends the language that transcends the mm. words being spoken in some ways that transcends the plot itself it's just this unsettling mood and i and that's a brave bold move for any director to do let alone a first time director out the gate jesus christ yep yeah there's no doubt about that so all right uh i'll go first i'll just start it off i don't think i've started off in a while uh some of it was dull it definitely was and in the beginning it's even harder to like get into it because it is so dry and slow but you know, I stuck with it, and I definitely had several faces where I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> and I definitely, I because like all of a sudden I find myself really want like being excitable and and passionate about this movie now. But that was not my viewing experience earlier today. I that's, I got to be honest. I got to remember that. So I guess I don't want to get too caught up in a moment of excitement of great points being made. I want to remember how I saw the film as I did when I saw it, and. I did stick with it though, and I, I did become more curious. And I was like, "Oh, look at that! Oh shit! Oh, oh, the goat got him! Oh, the ram! He rammed him! Cool, okay." And uh, so there are some. It gets it builds. It's a builder, so it's a yeah. slow burn builder, as you said. And it's so damn historically spot on. I, I have nothing but respect for that. And even if I, it's not my cup of tea, I. I say this movie holds up. It it does a really good job of being what it is, and it leaves you guessing and does confuse you and causes you to question what is the real uh, factor in this film that drives it. And that's cool. That's good enough. It's, it's certainly good enough to hold up. All right, um, Eric, you want to go next? Um, yeah, the film is. Come on, let's be honest. Even at 92 minutes, which is unbelievable, <laughs> exhausting in, in language, to say the least. It's not fun, which, uh, uh, you know, you can't say a lot about a, a, a lot of horror movies, but it's, it's just not fun. But it's the, it's the authenticity here and the um, precision that, that um, entices and impresses me, man. Yeah. It's a movie about how especially now that I'm a father, blah, blah, blah. Patriarchal duty is fucking hard work. And um, everybody has their convictions, but your con your convictions can lead to awful fucking things like hypocrisy and the sorrow of other people ultimately. And you don't need a period piece about um, satanic ghost to, to remind you that you you really have to be careful man because uh, people rely on you uh, and that's a small kind of part of the context of this film that I think is important borrows heavily 
Uh, it borrows heavily, man. Um, there's so much Bergman in here. <laughs> there's so much Carl Dreyer. <laughs> yes. Polanski. It, it's like basically like Herzog, right? Herzog, um, Polanski reminds me a lot of repulsion. Um, it book of Job. I mean, it's basically like the book of Job, but with like a fucking a Satan goat. Um, <laughs> but, but dude, I love the film, man. It, it came at a time where we, we really needed somebody with this voice, uh, in horror. And it really gave me a fucking adrenaline shot in the genre in 2015. I love the movie. I look forward to everything Eggers does. And I, I think it holds up completely. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, I echo those sentiments. I feel like it's uh, it's strange and awesome to have uh, any work of art. And I think that some of the best albums and like TV shows that do similar kind of things where it's like, in some ways, what you're giving me is pretty simple and basic and easy to follow and maybe even a little familiar. And on the other hand, what you've given me is wholly unique utterly only you and this crew could have done this um and and to again for a first time director to make a right. movie that um clearly is a throwback to like the english kind of folk horror and that kind of stuff but still like it's a bit of a game changer i think that uh a, 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 an announcement uh, of an important new filmmaker and um I hope to see more from the rest of this cast besides Anna Taylor Joy, Anya Taylor Joy. I feel like it makes sense for her to be the standout, but that literally every other actor in this film really did some ex ex impressive work. I, I, Ralph Innocent in particular, I'd like to see more leading work from because I think he really shows that he can that he can do that here because he's clearly the second lead in this film. Absolutely holds up. I kind of assumed it would, but I've been wanting to take it, uh, take a second look at it for a while. And I thought, why not wait a year and do it on the podcast? So I did. And it's been fun talking about with you guys. This is a movie that there's so many, like, I, I really do feel like we could spend another half hour or more at least uh, totally. finding plenty of rich material to, to, to discuss here. And I look forward to watching it again in my lifetime and discussing it again with others. Holds up. Mike, did, Yay! You a did you do a quick costume change? Yeah, I'm going to run out the door after this. I'm ready to go play. Woohoo! Look at me! Yay! <laughs> All right. There it is. This film called The Witch. It was a clean sweep. How about that? We're on a roll. Yeah, and awesome. I'm glad I got to see this movie, Travis. Good choice. Uh, you opened my eyes to something different for me. And awesome. I appreciate that. I really do. All right. Uh, Eric, you've got next week's selection, Eric. Where are we going next in this world of cinema analysis? I'm gonna take a risk, okay? Good. And I'm gonna doesn't do sound a, like you. I, I'm gonna do. It's absolutely not me, but I'm learning. I'm growing. Uh, uh, we're gonna do a rare companion piece. Awesome. Um, we are gonna go to 2002, a film that uh, I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. Uh, it has a a strong cult following. But I think anyone who hasn't seen it definitely needs to take another look, me included. I'm talking about Bill Paxton's directorial debut from 2002, Frailty. Oh. How is it, <laughs> how is it a companion piece to uh, The Witch? Well, it's a, it, it, if you haven't seen the film, it's, it's about a man who is 
It's about a man whose sole religious belief oh, has yeah, a yeah, profound real, okay. effect on his family. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Yay! Travis is excited. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely okay. never saw this one either. So another new one for me, of course. Frailty. Next week, we're doing Frailty Does It Hold or Not. But until then, we're going to keep talking. Connect with us on Twitter and social media everywhere. And we got more in store for you. Sub the YouTube channel. Five stars on Apple and Spotify and Audible. And thank you for your time. For Travis, for Eric, for myself, we wish you all uh, a speedy recovery from what we call life. Corruption, thou art my father. Uh